Well, good morning. It's a privilege to be with, uh, with you. Uh, many of you, I think, I probably know in other contexts, and others of you were meeting for the first time in this kind of artificial space. I wish I had a more beautiful environment uh, to share with you. This happens to be my granddaughter's bedroom. Um, and this, believe me, is the best scene, except for what you see. Um, you've been in this series on desert life, and um, today is the day of Pentecost, the day on which we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to uh, enliven the church gathered in the upper room. Uh, it is, in many ways, then the birthday of the church. And so I've been thinking about how to connect the themes that you've been working on, uh, desert life and strategies for the desert, with what it might mean for us to live uh, in, in Pentecost. And so with that in mind, uh, I'd like you to kind of turn your heart towards a familiar passage of Scripture uh, that really speaks to this hinge place uh, in the desert, uh, a place of transition, a place of uh, invitation, and a place of formation. Uh, it is a familiar story. It is Exodus chapter 3, and it reads this way. Now, Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, who was the priest in Midian, and he led that flock to the west side, to the back side, of the wilderness, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I've, I've got to turn aside and see this marvelous sight. Why is the bush not being burned up? When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, he said to him from the midst of the bush, Moses, Moses, he said, here, here I am. He said, don't come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He also said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I've seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, to bring them to a land good and spacious, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. I've seen the oppression which the Egyptians, with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. So, I'm come down now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you can bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Egypt, to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. He said, certainly, I, I will be with you, and this will be a sign that it is I who have sent you. 
When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said, Behold, I, I'm going to go to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now, what if they say to me, What is his name? What should I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial name for all generations. This is a, a powerful desert text. And I think it's probably safe to say that the setting of it is an important one. Moses is on the backside of the desert. Remember, he got there uh, by uh, 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 running away from his history in Egypt. He spent the first 40 years of his life in Egypt and the second 40 years of his life trying to escape from Egypt. Arguably, uh, Moses spends his whole life in one form of desert or another, uh, one preparing for the next, which is, when you think about it, the nature of the desert, including this desert season, perhaps, that we feel like we're so, we, are, we are in at this, this time. Um, he, he, he is on the, on, the, on the backside, the western side of the desert. If you know the geography at all, you'll know that that he is as close to Egypt as he can get without actually being there. So you have to wonder if, if part of this is this maybe almost nostalgia for what was, this looking back with longing for, for that old normal that it might maybe become in some way a new normal. But God has something else in store for his, his friend Moses. And can I just suggest to you that everybody gets desert time. It's not because you did something wrong. It's because you have committed yourself to faithfully following God. Everybody gets desert time. It either burns something out of you or seals something into you and often the both at the same time. So here he is in this desert season uh, and it's important that we recognize, even in this moment, that the desert is not the point. The desert is preparation. If we make the desert the point, we miss the point. So here he is on the backside, as near to Egypt as he can get. And he is present there in that moment enough to notice something odd, something unusual, something out of the ordinary. For him. A bush is burning without being consumed. This is strange. Uh, and can I just suggest that there's maybe a lesson here for us as well, that um, if you have eyes to see, every bush is burning. Thomas Burton said that every moment is a wide open door through which spills the bright light of glory. But we usually walk past without noticing on the way to something else with better things to do. You have to be present 
in the moment, desert though it might be, and paying attention to what is happening around you. Again, for those who have eyes to see, every bush is burning. Every place, every moment is a place of encounter. And so turning aside, he all of a sudden discovers that he's standing now on what used to be, but now is no longer ordinary ground. It's become holy ground. The Lord says to him, I've seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I'm, I've, I've, I've come down to deliver them, and I'm going to therefore send you to Pharaoh. Wait, I thought you were coming down to deliver them. I thought you were going to deliver your people from Egypt, but you're, you're sending me, Moses says. Here's a secret, as you probably have already learned about God. He can do a whole lot of stuff all by himself, but he usually doesn't. He usually wants to invite us into partnership with him to save the world. So he's looking for people that he can trust, people that he can empower to join him in his mission. And here he's found one in Moses who's turned aside. However, Moses is not so sure that God has found his man. He says to him, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I that I should go to the sons of of, of, of Israel. And, 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 and this kind of tells us something about Moses. I think he's gotten stung by his first 40 years in Egypt. He's realized he's probably not all that in a bag of chips. He's, he's not the guy. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's concern about what will happen when he goes back to Egypt. Or maybe it's just the realization, born out of failure, he's inadequate for whatever it is that God might be asking of him. So if you're looking for kind of great heroes to manage this pandemic, if you're looking for people who will lead the charge, there's Marvel characters for that. But Moses is not your guy. He's not a great example. Um, on the other hand, if you're interested in finding how to partner with God in what he's doing in the world, maybe Moses is your guy because it's out of his inadequacy, out of his embraced humility, if, I, if you will, that he becomes useful and is able to hear God's response. Moses says, who am I? And God basically says, it really doesn't matter because I will be with you. This relativizes Moses' who am I? with a promise of presence. Moses' response to this is telling. Well, then who are you? He says. Who am I supposed to say sent me? That's a good question. Question that God delights in many ways to answer and does here. If you're going to trust your, your life to the voice of mystery, it's probably good to know who it is that you're listening to. So Moses hears God say, I am that I am. That's what you should tell the sons of Israel. I am. I, I am. A verb of being. It's not even really a proper name. A sense of, of, of mystery that is 
enfolded. It's the promise of presence. It's the promise of, of being. It is out of that being that God will be present with Moses. And this is, this is really the wonder uh, 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 of this story as we hear that God is saying to his people, um, uh, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll be with you, Moses. I will be with you. And it's important probably that we recognize if God's promise of presence is enough, nothing God brings with him when he comes will be. If God's promise isn't enough, if God's presence isn't enough, nothing God does will be adequate. And this is, of course, the wonder of Pentecost. That God is with us, that the Spirit has come, that he has filled our lungs enabling our being. We are invited now to partner with God in his good work in saving the world, to join him in his mission, even in the middle of this desert season that is not the point, might be preparation for the point. We don't want to miss the lessons of this pain, the lessons of this difficulty. We want to bring our inadequacies. We want to bring our, our, our insecurities. We want to bring the things that we think disqualify us. But we also want to bring the things that we think qualify us. Who knows what Jesus might do with what you bring as you surrender to him and are filled with the Spirit so that he can send you back out into the world accompanied by the great I am, the God who is with you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for my friends at Canopy. I thank you for the good work you are doing in and through them. And I pray now, Lord, in this, the middle of this, 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 this desert season, whatever it might look like, the season of transformation, of crucible, of forming, that you would fill them on this Pentecost Sunday with your spirit in new and precious and vibrant ways that they might truly be people whom you can use to partner with in saving the world that so desperately needs to be saved. I ask this in your name. Amen. God bless you, friends.